Welcome to the Outdoor Family Podcast. This is the Hunting Journal mini-series. Um, I'm your host, Nick Slaughter. I am excited. This is going to be a cool podcast, I think. Um, and I believe uh, I got a neat guest on here. Um, actually, my buddy from high school, Cole Lodge. Um, he's going to be on the podcast today in um, we did a lot of hunting together in high school and uh, in the early college years and stuff. And it's it'll be kind of neat to catch up with him and also just kind of maybe show or explain where uh, how I was influenced on some hunting things. Um, we me and Cole did a lot of things together um, back in the day and stuff. And so it'll be fun to catch up with him, see what he's doing now, and. Um, try to get some tips or thoughts from him and about what he's doing. And I think, I think this mini series, just as we go along and everything is we're trying to really show like what we do and who we are as hunters and outdoorsmen. And, and this, this is just going to show you again, we're just, just trying to do our best in the woods and um i guess we say we're average joes and um and i don't think you should be hesitated or afraid to get into hunting or whatever and i hope this encourages you to get into hunting um and or if you can if you're already hunting or you think you're experienced at hunting um just listen though you may pick up on some information um i know cole is a very diverse in his hunting and he's done a lot of different types of hunting so i think he is definitely a person to listen to um and you can definitely learn some things um from him so with uh probably no further ado we'll get to the main show uh with cole lodge okay okay we got cole lodge on the line um how are you doing cole good mitch how are you doing I'm doing well here. Um, we just, this is, well, this is actually right before deer season here, but all, a lot of the other Indiana seasons have kicked off and everything. Um, but uh, it's exciting time for us. But before we get into talking about the fun, exciting things, I wanted you just to introduce yourself, um, maybe like where you, what you kind of work you do and um, kind of where maybe where you live and things like that. Um, and um, yeah, just I'll let you go for it here. Well, like you said, uh, Cole, I work for a utility company here in North Central Indiana, and that's not a whole lot else <laughs> other than hunting and fishing, and what besides working and hunting and fishing, that's about it. Yeah, you sound like a lot of us. Uh, I do will say, Cole, um, we grew up together, so we're I think, yep. buddies from high school and stuff, and uh we haven't talked nearly as much in the last handful of years but i definitely wanted to get you on because we had some good times and um yes we had some good stories and different things and uh i just I think it'll be fun to kind of i think reminisce and uh, just talk about like kind of some of the things we did back in the day so um, oh yeah a lot of a lot of nights coon hunting and early mornings deer hunting yeah that's that's for sure and it there were some good times and lots of, lots of, there's some tired, tired mornings. I remember. Yeah. Especially with that. Very, very rough, rough time. I 
many nights of coon hunting until about three in the morning and then getting up to go deer hunting at six. <laughs> yeah. It wears, where's a, where's a soul out. I, I don't think I am a spry as that anymore. So, uh, Oh, I couldn't do it anymore either. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> so I guess the first, the one thing I think is I, I like talking with you, Cole. And, and the reason I, one reason I brought you on the podcast, um, was you are very, I feel like you've done a lot of different types of hunting and especially like even like the coon hunting. And I know you've gone uh, coyote hunting, but with hounds. Um, mm-hmm. So just to maybe show, tell the listeners a, kind of the variety of hunting you have done, um, even though you may not do it currently or whatever, but just mm-hmm. to maybe go run through a list of things you've pursued in your hunting career. Well, I mean, I think like everybody, whenever we were, real young uh my dad had a small farm where he lived and i would just literally go out as soon as like squirrel season opened and but i think everybody just you go out and you start looking for squirrels and rabbits but once i got to be about 11 my stepdad brought home a coon dog and from then until probably when i was 19 it was that was it i really didn't do anything but go coon hunting with him um it wasn't until um, I got into high school, whenever me and you started running around together, I, I'd never been deer hunting until I started hanging out with you, you know? Yeah. And I know the first time I ever went deer hunting was with you. <laughs> and the, the, I remember the first time I ever killed a deer was with you at your at your uh, your place when we killed those two at one, two in a matter of five minutes. Yeah, over yeah, my grandpa's place there. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, other than after that, I started deer hunting on my own more. And then, uh, the coon dogs, the coon dog thing faded out there for a while. And in 2000 and probably 12 is when that all ended. But then I started working where I work now. And I have friends where I work now that they run, they run coyotes with hounds. So I started hanging out with them and I've been going with them. And one of the guys that I ride with, I've been handling dogs for him for about, the last five to six years and um yeah it's a that's a, that's a different ball game there if you if you're someone who's into dogs and hunting with dogs that's a very very cool thing to go do uh, yeah can uh, you can you well first maybe explain the coon hunting a little bit give a i guess a explanation for that because i don't think everybody actually fully understands it completely and then also do the same thing for like hunting uh okay well just uh give like i I don't know if you say like a i don't like a basic what what goes on when you're hunting yeah and then the same thing with the coyote hunting with hounds well when whenever we used to go coon hunting basically we pull up to a spot normally it was mostly public ground um sometimes we hunted some private but we would get dog out and just free cast him or turn him loose and let him run in the woods and we would literally just stand there or sit on the tailgate and wait. And, uh, whenever he would smell a coon or he would generally, he would look or he would bark, he would open up. And then we could tell if the track was getting hotter. Cause if at first he would just bark and then he might bark again, well then he might bark a couple more times and it was starting to warm up the track a little bit. And then when he would throw that long ball, we knew he was located and then the dog that we used to hunt with at first, he would roll that over into a choppy bark fast, fast chop mouth bark. And that's when we would call him treat and we would walk into him, 
take our lights and shine up in the tree and find the coon and shoot the coon out and move on to the next one. Yeah. But that's, that, um, that was... it didn't always work that way, though, as you remember. There were some nights where he would tree on a, a den tree and the coon would be in a hole or we'd be working a younger pup or something and they don't, they're like people when they're young. They don't get it. They learning and you're out there and they might tree and you don't find nothing or you might accidentally tree a possum or something like that. But that's the fun part about working with dogs is working, teaching them and watching them grow and watching them learn, you know? Yeah, I would agree. I, I, the little bit I went with you guys, it was a blast. I think the, my favorite part was watching the dogs and at night and I, you guys had uh, those like lighted collars and I thought that was one mm-hmm. of the coolest things was to watch the dog run through the woods and you could like see that light of color, like bouncing around through the woods as mm-hmm. they, you know, working a track or whatever. It was pretty cool. So yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. I mean, there's times where they maybe they'll, maybe he'll go a hundred yards and tree right on the edge of the field and we can walk and it's easy. And I think you remember there's some nights he, maybe he goes four or 500 yards and you cross two creeks and a thorn patch and everything else. Oh yeah, I think there was one night he went almost a mile with us. Uh, I know you talked about a couple of times where they took off and went crazy far yeah. a couple of times, but a few times I remember. Of course, this is this. I remember going with my stepdad, and there was a, the nights that we would go down and meet one of the guys he knew and hunt around uh, a little way south of here. It was patch woods country, you know, mm-hmm. so it was just little patches of, and the one those dogs that dog that guy had if he when we turned him loose if he didn't find a coon in that woods he was going across the field across county road into the next one he was going until he found one it made for a lot of walking and wow but which uh i'll get into it more with the coyote hunting but now now when they have those gps dog collars yeah now that now that i've been around those man if we'd have had them back our life would have been so much easier i bet Oh, I don't know how we ever hunted without one, but what's, what's like a, do you know what the price is on a, like a, a simple GPS unit for like a dog? Um, I, well, there's two that I've been looking at because and I'll get into this more later. I'm actually getting ready to get into a different kind of hunting with dogs, but, um, the two that I've been looking at, one is a Garmin, which that's the one most people have, um, they start, I think, for one collar and one unit. I think you're going to pay around eight hundred dollars, eight hundred fifty dollars. Interesting. And then for every additional collar you want, that's three hundred dollars. And then the other one, actually, that I'm looking into, it runs, it kind of runs with your cell phone as okay. the GPS unit. And I think it's maybe half the price, maybe a little more. Because the unit is your cell phone, which you already have. Yeah, yeah. You just got. You have to buy a transmitter and the obviously however many collars you want. Mm-hmm. But it, it can do pretty much everything the Garmin can, which I mean, it can. It tr- not. I mean, it'll track, and then it's got the training functions where if you need to use, uh, if you need to bump them off of like, if you're running a deer or something, you can bump them off of that. You can. You can. We call it toning. Um, the collars will beep. And a lot of these dogs, like the running dogs, are trained to where when they hear the beep, you can they will immediately turn. And if you're if you're hollering for them, they'll come to you. A lot of the dogs that I've been around, they've been trained that way, which makes it nice. If they're running somewhere and you need to get them back to you, you can hit that tone and the collar will beep, and they'll usually 
you can honk the truck horn or something and they will come to you. Okay, so you're starting to get into that, uh, like, coyote-type hunting. Yes. So um, explain that to me a little bit more. I, I got the gist because I grew up in that area, uh, and mm-hmm. I've seen it kind of done from afar. But you you said, like, you've done it for the last five or six years. So can you give, like, a little, yeah, deeper details on that? Yeah. Um, basically, um, the guys that I work with, uh, there's him and then the guy that I ride with most of the time and another guy and we usually there's about four guys have between four and five dogs a piece um they're more of a think of like a coon dog but a little racy looking if you know what i mean like like, they they look like they're marathon runners they're longer legged okay they're they're just more athletically built like a like a almost a taller version of like a coon dog with a little bit of a, a greyhound built to them okay yeah that's what i was gonna ask kind of the like greyhound ish um i mean they they still look like a coon dog but uh-huh. you know they're just a little more athletically built okay. um basically we'll go out in the morning and in in the winter time during kill season we'll go out in the morning and we all use uh radios in our trucks and we will go like one of the guys that I know, he's got permission to hunt. I've never seen someone who, who has as much permission as him. He's friends with all the farmers where up where he lives. And we hunt a lot of public ground too. Um, we will look if there's snows on, we'll look for tracks mm-hmm. going into it, going into a section. And if we see tracks going into a section, we'll drive around that section and make sure like if we go, if we don't see tracks coming out, obviously he's still in there. Right. So we will send in, oh, we'll send in one or two good jo- jump, like dogs to go in and sniff him out, jump him as we call it. Okay. And there will be people around the section. And if we hear them open and they start, if they're cold trailing him, um, like if the track's not, if it's an old, if they're picking up the older, the older tracks, we will just like, I'll pull out binoculars and I'll start looking. And if they blow up, if they start barking like crazy, we know, well, they probably jumped him. Well, that he's going to come out on one of them sides where we should have people watching. Mm-hmm. And usually he breaks, he'll cross the road or something. And depending on where, how far the dogs are behind him, um, we, if he crosses the road, we might see where he crosses the road. We might send one more dog into him. But usually... Um, we try not to, they call it spiking. Um, the guys that I hunt with are pretty good about, we don't, if the coyote crosses the road and the dogs are like 500 yards behind it, you don't really want to like race up there and dump a dog 50 yards behind the coyote because then the two dogs that work too hard to jump it, they're going to be behind. You know what I'm saying? You're right. Yeah. So usually whenever that happens, the coyote will cross the road, when the dogs get to the road, we might send one or two more dogs in with it so we usually run three to anywhere between three to six dogs on the coyote and then it's just like uh basically watch the race listen to the race okay um after he runs a coyote is kind of like a rabbit where if you know how if beagles are running a rabbit it'll make a circle yep um but instead of like a hundred yard circle, think of like a five mile circle. Okay. Um, we have 
those GPS unit collars, I mean, they will keep track of how far a dog has been uh-huh. during during a day. And it's not it's not uncommon at all to have a coyote race where he makes big looping circles around where dogs will walk 25, 30 miles in a day. That's crazy. And, um, yeah, we've had some real runners, and we've... We're pretty sure, like we, when we jump a coyote, the when he starts running a certain way, a couple of the guys in our group will be like, "I know it's that same one because you can about guarantee where he's going to cross the road here, and then he's going to go up there and cross the road over here." Huh. But after after a while, if we if they get a good run on them, if, especially if they're working some young dogs, um, after maybe he makes a couple big circles, we might try to go in. Somebody will go in. Usually me because I'm the youngest. <laughs> No, they, somebody will go in and we'll, uh, try to get in front of it and get a shot or, um, sometimes dogs bay it up. They'll track it and chase it for so long. It'll literally just turn against like a log or up in a creek bank or we've had them bay up on against people's front porches before, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, and then it, they'll use dogs will usually, uh, stand there and bay at it or sometimes they might try to catch it, but. Yeah, it's just uh, farmers. For the farmers and the people, they they're usually okay with what we're doing once they figure out what we're doing. Most people don't like those coyotes. Yeah, I agree. Have you ever ran in the scenario where you had like multiple coyotes come out of one like one section or whatever? Yes. Do yes, you, we have. And do, okay, so this is my next follow up question to that. Have you ever had like your pack of dogs? Do they ever split and go like some go after one, and some go after the other, or anything like that? Yes, it can get pretty wild and crazy sometimes whenever, uh, especially like we don't do it a whole lot anymore, um, but we used to run in the spring and summertime, we would run in the middle of the night when it was cool. Mm-hmm. And when the coyotes have pups and then about July, August on a cool night, which I know you don't get very often, but right. when we would use, when we would used to go and those coyote pups were getting old enough where they would be out of the den and be able to meander around, you know? Yeah. And especially in like a tall green cornfield, for some reason, when if we would turn loose and the coyote would get in that cornfield, he wouldn't leave. Like he felt safe in there. He could stay far enough ahead of the dogs. Okay. It, it was, I don't know why, but it was pretty rare for him to leave a, a cornfield. So it was nice. Cause you could just put your truck in park and sit outside and listen to the race. But, Whenever um, they would jump in, like in amongst of maybe four or five pups and the mother, yeah, and they would scatter, and you would just see dogs going every which direction, and it you would hear the mother a coyote like barking back at the dogs, and oh wow, it it was it's a lot of fun if you're if you're into dog hunting and stuff like that, if you like listening to them, it's a lot of fun. Sounds really interesting and stuff. So yeah, is there anything else we need to know about? running coyotes with dogs um it can make for a long day i mean it's a lot of fun and there's sometimes it's the action is either 100 miles an hour and just wild and crazy and or it's the coyotes aren't moving the day and you're turned loose and your dogs might be you're hunting four or five different spots and it's kind of feels like you you ain't going to find one. You know they're there, but they're just not moving. The, the scenting conditions might be bad that day. But mm-hmm. I was going to ask I'm, you at this at the beginning. Does it make a difference if there's snow on or like just bare dirt or whatever? Um, 
I like, I think, I think snow makes a difference as long as you don't have that hard crusty on top. I mean, if you have fresh snow, mm-hmm. I, and it's, and it's fairly deep, I feel like the, the kayak, the scenting is a little better. Okay. And as far as bare ground goes, I think bare ground hunting is really good in the spring and summer and early fall. But most of us are all the guys that I go, they go with we're all deer hunters. Okay. So that the, from what the guy who's been doing it the, the most has told me, he said the best month to run coyotes is October and November. <laughs> when everybody's, everybody's deer hunting then he said, because of the scenting, the weather is usually perfect and the, the scenting conditions are usually really good. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. You said, right. I think you're, you alluded to it. Are you getting into some other type of yes hunting um, dog scenario? Yep. I actually, um, I've got a, one of the friends I work with, uh, he was a coon hunter too, but he also has beagles. Mm-hmm. And I started going with him about two years ago and I hadn't really been, I mean, before I went with him, I think the last time I went rabbit hunting was with, was with you when we were in high school. Yeah. And I started going with him. And one thing I remember when I started coyote hunting, I was like, I really like, you know, co- coon hunting is fun. The tree dog stuff, that's fun. Mm-hmm. But I really liked watching those running hounds, the running type dogs. Interesting. But well, when I started going with him I was and watching these beagles work, I was like, this is just like coyote hunting, but on a smaller scale. Right. And it's a lot less stressful too, because that's another thing about the coyote hounds is you got to worry about highways. Oh yeah. Those, coy- those coyotes do not care about crossing roads and highways. And your dog well, with, chases them. Oh yeah. The dog, the dogs, if, if we don't get to the road and try to catch them, get, get in between them and grab them, they're going to go. It, it wouldn't matter if it was I 69, if they were a hundred yards behind a coyote, they're going to cross it. Yeah. Yep. But, but with the beagles, it's a lot less, I mean, you can usually get somewhere where you're not near a highway and the, you know, a rabbit's not going to probably run that far. Right. And it's more, instead of like driving around the section or driving where you, we can just walk. Right. And it's more of a, you can be, you can stay closer to the dogs and it's just something that really intrigued me enough to where that's the route that I'm more than likely going to go. Interesting. Yeah. So plus, uh, I mean, the yeah. fur prices aren't really worth yeah. anything compared to what they were and you could eat rabbits. So, right. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I, cause yeah, we were, we were basically the rabbit dogs back in the day in high school oh, yeah. for each other. Hey, I'm going to jump on this brush pile or whatever. So yeah, I remember, uh, going over to your house we would walk down the road and walk down those uh tracks i later I, yep i later found out i was like you're not somebody told me you know that's you're not supposed to do that right yeah. i didn't know that at the time <laughs> we were young and dumb and i guess we whatever. killed we killed quite a few rabbits that way i know yeah yep we did kill a few quite a few that way so that is but um yeah other that's pretty much all the dog stuff um i've been saying that time between me having my own dogs and then here in the future, when I get my more get dogs again, deer hunting has jumped way up as far as my things that I do more than anything else. I mean, I think after I, uh, 
after I killed that first one with you, I went hog wild on deer hunting. Yeah. I um, saw you got a nice one last year and stuff. So, yeah. I think it was last uh, year. Or was it two yeah, years two, ago? Uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yep. I killed that one with a gun on uh, a piece of public that I live not too far from up here. Okay. Yeah. So, I guess, yeah. So, deer hunting is kind of like, so you do the dog hunting and stuff. This is your main thing. And then deer hunting is your other main type of hunting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I've never really, I mean, I'll go squirrel hunting every once in a great while, you know. I still have never been turkey hunting, which I hope to change that this spring. Um, well, I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't go turkey hunting until I moved to the southern half of the state <laughs> because, I mean, yeah. up, up there, it's hard. It's just hard to find birds. It's just not as many uh, birds in that kind of that north central area. So, um, Yeah, I know um, I was going to put in for the draw um, up here in the public up here around home you have to get drawn to hunt it mm-hmm. yeah um but one of my buddies uh he regularly goes down to southern indiana which i had been going with him oh for the past four years i try to ma- i try to a lot of the guys that i run around with we try to make a point to go down there and hang out and hunt about once a year um and that is a whole different world you guys got going on down there the first time i went down there i was like whoa those big hills are a lot different than around here well yeah and that's yeah that's just a certain area down here too there's some uh there's some areas that are not nearly as hilly too it's more i guess closer to up there but it's still rolling everything seems like it's rolling down here even the unhilly spots are still hills compared to what we're used to or whatever but yeah there's some big old stuff down here in hill the hilly i know uh, I guess I'd never, other than that one little pocket that I've been to down there, um, other than hunting that one county, I have never hunted anywhere other than up here around home. And that one county is, I think, one of the biggest pieces of country in the state. Was, mm-hmm. I was in first, I remember the first time I went down there, I was like, gee, Christmas. Because <laughs> I walked in in the dark the first time and I'd never been down there before and I was relying on my phone gps it wasn't working all that good and i was like yeah. i was like i hope we make it back over this hill and there ain't nothing on the other side like a ravine or a cliff or something like that <laughs> yeah no joke <laughs> yeah it's it is it is a whole other beast and like i'm still i'll be honest like i still haven't I, well i shouldn't say i figured out hunting where you hunt live but i it is still like I feel like there's a learning process with the hill country stuff that is, I don't know. I feel like it's a long, long learning curve. I don't know. It's hard. It's tricky, especially even when you do it all the time or more of the time. So, yeah, yeah I know um, my one friend that I work with, he's, he's one of the guys that has coyote dogs. He is a serious deer hunter. Like that's his main thing. Mm-hmm. And he has helped me a astronomical amount as far as not just like before i would just say oh this looks like a good spot and we would go set up and hope hope for the best you know what i mean right yeah i like i learned i I, he showed me how like this is this is where they're running on this ridge and this is why this is where they're coming out and this is why you know what i mean right yeah uh how to read how to really read like scrapes rub lines uh 
understanding like when we started hunting down south together understanding thermals going up and down the hills in the morning mm-hmm. and the evenings yep. you know what i mean but yeah it's it is tough i i still i mean it's it's tough down there but i'll be honest with you i still don't know everything i'm doing up here <laughs> i think oh. a lot of it a lot of it's still luck up here oh i, I mean i would agree like there's just so many factors i think that's one thing I, i'm why i'm drawn to deer hunting and it's because the learning curve you never learn at all and even if you figure an area out it doesn't mean like there's not going to be necessarily the deer you want to shoot in that area you know what i'm trying to say maybe maybe Mm -hmm. small deer or whatever so yeah yeah that's it's tough and i think that's one thing that's cool about deer hunting is you can go drive all over the you know it's just a state let alone the country and do different types you know open area you know farm country hills you know and all the different things in between so yeah yeah i know i don't know um we were spoiled when we were younger having private places to hunt you know it Mm, yeah we had some we had some decent private places that's for sure um i know i remember and didn't you kill was it a, that the 11 or the nine i've killed a couple nines yeah the long brow tine one i think well, i think i was with you on that one yeah. i know we were together when we killed boat we killed those two yep yep and then uh we were hunting at your other grandparents house i think in that ground blind we stumbled along we never got that guy killed but it was the one with the busted leg yes yeah Yep. I I almost forgot about that one. That's been a long time ago. Yeah. I just well, I just it popped in my head when you mentioned that deer because yeah, the only reason we went in after that deer because we never hunted that ditch um, is because we saw him from the road and we're like, I mm-hmm. think I think he's. I mean, I think did we? Oh yeah, we did. We we saw him from the ground, didn't we? Because well, I, I thought we did. We saw him from the ground, and if I remember right, you dropped. Like you dropped me off on one end of the ditch, and I think then you you drove around the other side, and we both had our bows, if I remember right. Right, it was during archery season, yeah. And we were just gonna try to, and cl- like close in on him, and somebody was gonna get a shot at some point. But. Yeah, he probably squirted out to that patch woods. Um, yeah, but I think I saw him with coyotes chasing him at one time too. I don't remember if that was with you or was it whatever. Um, were you with him when he had coyotes going after him? I remember seeing coyotes on that ditch, and I thought that I jumped out and you dropped me off again. And I thought I would try to—I thought I tried to stalk up on one of those coyotes in a ditch right across from uh, from your grandparents' house that one day. But yeah. it's been so long, I can't really remember. Yeah, I know. This is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. It's that ditch. That's that's not. And that, I drove by that not too long ago, and that whole thing has been cleaned out. Yeah, I was well. I was up at my grandparents here this summer once, and yeah, I saw it was cleaned out. It's, I think it's been cleaned out for a few years now, but yeah. Hmm. I mean, it's public. I've kind of transitioned to where that's all I hunt anymore. It's public though, and it's you deal with some people, but it's generally not too bad. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, what what is your? Because I I would agree. I would transition to public land for the most part. Um, what is what's your opinions? I guess you said it's not too bad, but like, what is your experience with public land and stuff? Um, the first year that I really just like when my dad obviously moved away from the farm, I lost that. But 
the first year I felt lost. Like everywhere I went, I was like, I have no idea. I had just gotten, that's another thing is that year I bought a climbing, a summit climber stand because I knew I was going to be hunting public land. Mm-hmm. So between the learning curve of learning how to use that and um, not knowing anything about any of this public ground, the first year was pretty like daunting. You know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely is. Now, the second year, I really made a point to where in the summertime, I started hiking. I started looking for spots. And my one friend that I handle dogs for had a tree stand that he, uh, I still, we still hunt out of it. We share it. We kind of share it to some extent. He hunts out of it. And when he's not there, I'll hunt out of it. Yeah. So I, ha- I had that stand I could use, but I would still hike in. I started like going hiking in deeper because that's one thing I've learned about, especially up here in this public that I live around. You got to get there early and you got to be willing to go farther than anybody else. Does that, uh, do you get deer bumped to you a lot because you um, go in earlier than most people and then, you know, guys come in at whatever daylight or whatever and bump deer back to you? Um, last year, honestly, no, because I honestly saw less hunters last fall than I had seen in the last two years I've been hunting up here. Interesting. Which I don't know. It's, I don't know why that was, but I just even on opening day of gun season, I saw only one person last year. But the years before that, yeah, if you would go in there and get in there well before daylight, about ten o'clock, even if I couldn't see them because I was hunting in some pretty thick areas, yeah, I, I could hear deer moving. I mean, you knew about nine thirty, ten o'clock when guys were getting down and leaving. I could either hear deer moving, see deer moving. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So do but, you try to, do you try to stay till like noon or whatever after that? It, 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 I judge that on like the weather a lot. Okay. If it's, if it's starting to get hot, I typically won't. I mean, if it's the rut, if it's the middle of the rut, then I will, I'll sit. There's days I'll sit all day, but the temperature is a main thing for me. If it's going to get warm, if it's going to get pretty hot, I typically will come in about, oh, I don't know, 1130 noon. Okay. Or yeah. I'll, and then I'll maybe go, I'll, maybe I won't go back out until three or four in the afternoon if it's hot. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. If the weather's good though, I mean, I'll sit there all day. Mm-hmm. Or if it's like in the middle of the rut and they're, it's prime time, then I'll sit all day. Yeah. yeah. Um, gun season, that's another one too. Their opening day of gun season on this piece of public, you sit all day. Cause you, I mean, there's people, people will be in and out all throughout the day moving around and you never know when a deer might come skirting through on that day. But. Right. And I feel like I've heard a lot of people say that about gun, like gun season opening day or at least opening weekend and stuff, uh, because there's so, there's a lot of pressure coming in and out, but they're coming and going, you know, going to get lunch or whatever, and then coming back out for the afternoon and yeah, getting that chance there. That's interesting. Last year, I mean, I was, even though I'd been hunting pub, this public for a few years now, last year was the first year I spent opening day on, um, on public. public up here. Okay. The, the pre- previous two years I was going, that was the weekend I'd be down hunting with my buddies. So I'd spent opening day of gun season down South. Oh, on, on public land down there. Yeah. The big Hoosier national down there. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah, that's. That's going to be something else in its own right. Which, I mean, I heard more shots down there than last year. It was just weird. Last year, I heard one shot all day opening day gun season where I was at. 
Oh, that's in- that's really interesting. I I was shocked. I saw one hunter and I heard one gunshot, and it came off of the private ground that I borders the public. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, the year before that, though, um, twenty nineteen, when I killed my deer, um, I spent opening day down south, and then I came home, and I hunted Sunday, and I had that whole week off. I hunted Sunday and Monday up here. And I heard, I seen people, heard people, all that. Well, then Tuesday of November of 2019, I hunted that stand that me and my friend share. And he said, I go hunt it. He goes, I'm not going to hunt it probably the rest of the time. And I went in there and sat in there and it's actually ridiculous how it's one of those places that's hidden in plain sight. You know what I mean? You ever yeah. find you, you find places like that when you walk, you hike in there, and you're like, it shouldn't be like this easy to get to this spot. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I went went in there and I sat down, and it got started getting about daylight, and I could hear people moving like off behind me, guys walking in. And then about eight o'clock, I looked over, and all I saw was like a body. I didn't see the rack. And I had a shotgun. I was I had my shotgun with me, and I couldn't. I had never. I killed two bucks before, but they were both broken horn, like year and a half old. You know what I mean? There weren't nothing yep. special. And then he come through this around this pine tree, and then I got to see all of him. And I was like, oh my! You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah. And he he stepped out about thirty five yards, and it was like it was it was too easy. Like you never expect it to be that easy. And then. I shot him and he took off and he ran about 50 yards and he piled up. And then I was thinking, there's no way that that just happened. You know what I mean? There's no way that it was that easy. <laughs> you know what? Like I will say when it happened, like when you kill a deer, I feel like it's, that's when it's actually easy. Like when you're like close, it's always really hard. But when you actually make a shot on a deer, I feel like it, it goes smooth. I don't know. Like this, that's my experience. I feel like, Oh, that's what I, cause I mean, that was the biggest buck I'd ever killed. It was a, he, we scored him. He was 130 and like a quarter or something like that. I wrote it down, but I don't know. Yeah. But that's whenever it was, I wasn't even shook up or I, that didn't happen until afterwards. Like I never even got, I shot him and I hit him by that slug, the slug busted through his shoulder. He took out, he took off out of there on three wheels, you know? Right. Yeah. I heard him crash. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's when it all set in. I was like, Oh wow. You just killed to me, like to me, a giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, like I had spent the three days before that I had walked a mile and a half across two giant Hills to get to a spot where you didn't see nothing. And I walked literally 15 minutes to get into a spot. And that kill you kill the biggest buck you've ever laid eyes on while you're hunting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just makes it makes me laugh when I think about that. Where it it's crazy when things happen; they tend to happen like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let's think here. I got a few other questions for you. Um, are you planning? So you've gone historically down south here. Are you planning on making any other trips this year um, during your deal? deer season or for anything else this I guess? year during deer season i don't think i'll make it down south um i might we'll see but um last year not only last year we did a thing me and my buddies uh a couple of the guys that one of my friends knows 
have uh, squirrel dogs. Okay. And like similar, think coon hunting, but squirrels yep. instead of coons. Yep. Um, and my friend that I go rabbit hunting with brought his beagles, and we we spent a weekend in January down there small game hunting. And I ha- I honestly had more fun hanging out with everybody doing that. And I told myself this year, I've really living up here, like right on, right in the middle of all this public ground I live in now. I wanted to take this year and really focus all my deer hunting on learning every spot on this place that I possibly can. So I will probably do all of my deer hunting this year up here. And then maybe if they do another one of them rabbit hunt trips or something like that, go down south. Okay. Yeah. That sounds really cool. So, so yeah, now, the squirrel thing, that was the only time I've ever got to do that. And that's, that's pretty fun. I mean, those little dogs, they get after it. They're pretty fun to watch. Like little Jack Russell Terriers type. Well, um, I know, I don't, I don't know enough about it to really tell you like all the ins and outs of it. But uh-huh. I do know, like I hear guys talk about mountain curs or cur dogs. Yeah. And then they talk about feist dogs and one of my friends who used to live up here who coyote used to coyote hunt with us (coughs) excuse me he moved down south not too far from where we hunt and he bought a feist a squirrel dog okay and that little dog i mean that's a they're they're pretty neat they're not very big they've got that high yippy mouth yep and they they hunt a lot with their eyes as much as they do their nose hmm like they will actually i sit up there and watch like what if the squirrel timbers out to the next tree they'll they'll watch it and go start treeing on the tree it's in now they're pretty fun it's pretty fun that is really interesting it'd be cool so. it's a lot of fun plus i mean it's it's not like deer hunting where you know you got to be real quiet and stealthy and we joke and cut up and walk and hike and well, I think it's like when, like when me and you used to go coon hunting we could have a good time and talk and yeah i think that's one fun thing about that type of hunting or whatever is you can enjoy yourself and have the camaraderie of you know others you know hanging out and talking about whatever life and stuff like that so yeah that's really good so yeah Hmm. yep i mean so what no nothing i was just gonna say we're about i know the season opens friday getting ready to rock and roll yeah so i'm gonna gonna be a little couple a couple questions about season so you got any goals for your season this year uh this year Yep. This year, the goal is to shoot two deer. I've only ever killed one deer in a season. Okay. Um, the goal is to shoot two, uh, a doe and a buck. That's the goal. Any as far s- as like the buck goes, um, I always go into season, season saying, I want to do a little better than my last one. That's always what I say. Yeah. I just want to do a little better than... But, I mean, you get to week two of gun season and you 120, 120-inch deer walks in front of me. You know how that goes. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I might. I think I'm going to still shoot a 120-inch deer if I see him yep. during archery season. <laughs> uh, I just, I, at least I know from my standpoint, I got, I'm got. i busy. I got well, a little person and stuff like that and other responsibilities. So, yeah. Yeah. I but, like to sit here in the summer and tell myself, yeah, you're going to hold out for 140, 150-inch deer, but then when them 120s and 130s get in front of you, it's hard to say no. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's very hard. Yeah, especially, you know, like, I mean, both of us have not killed a ton of them, so it's just, it's, 
I think it's easy for us to, yeah, oh, it's, it, you know, you get big eyes or whatever when it walks down the trail to you or whatever. So. He's out past his ears. He's good. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I shot a, I shot a buck a couple of years ago that was kind of that way. He was running by chasing a doe, and he stopped just long enough for me to shoot him. And, I, I mean, I thought, like, oh, he looks like a good one. And I got down, and then, I mean, I, it's maybe bad to say this, but, like, I was disappointed. I thought he was bigger than he was when he was, you know, running through the woods or whatever. So, yeah. but, yeah um so do you do you run trail cameras at all i mean i know it's public land so that can be a sketchy situation um i never have okay i w- i'm open like i've thought about it more this year than i have before mm-hmm. but i honestly never have um that's probably a re i mean that maybe that's a reason why i don't kill like is the i don't set up and get a sh- chance at as quality of bucks as i maybe could have because i don't really know like if I f- I'll go in and scout an area and if I find a rub, I mean right. if it's a big rub. I mean he could be 130, maybe he could be 180. You know yep, what I mean? Exactly. But I I've never messed with the cameras, especially now since I'm on public. I worry about somebody might see them and decide to take them. And yeah, well I've had I know a couple of grown legs on public land, so um. um I know they work like my friend, he, he uses them a lot and I know, I mean, they do what they're supposed to do. I've seen some pictures of some giants that he gets like text messages sent to his phone. You know what I mean? Oh, does he, cool. he running like the cell cameras and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he'll, he'll go down South and he'll put them up all down there in that ground around him. And then he'll be up here and he'll get alerts, text messages, and there'll be a picture of deer. I've contemplated it, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, I well, I'm currently out of any cell camera or not cell cameras. I'm out of any trail cameras in general um, because uh, they've gotten lost or not lost, stolen, and then they've also broke. So, um, yeah, I'm going in the season blind, I guess you'd say, but that's all right. It's it can be fun to hunt like that. Just whatever, I guess whatever floats your boat when you see it. So, are you hunting out of a uh, a hang on stand with climbing sticks? I am hunting out of a saddle with climbing sticks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I went to that a couple of years ago. Um, be, when I went to Kentucky, actually, I, I decided to make that, try to that jump. Because I had, yeah, I've never done anything mobile, I guess, like that. I only had, like, the permanent setups. So, yeah, I tried the saddle. Um, it is, I like it a lot, but it's hard to do, like, all-day sits. And it does get a little, um, I don't know you get sore, I guess you'd say after a while, mm. you know, that six hour mark is kind of the max, but I do think part of that is I have a little bit older saddle. Um, I sh- well older, I don't know if you'd say older, older in the saddle market, I guess, because a lot of the new saddles that have come out in the last year or two, they're seeming to be, at least they look a lot nicer and for like comfort and stuff and, um, some things like that. So I don't know. It's one of those things like, oh, I'd love to upgrade, but I don't, I don't know. It's not in the budget. <laughs> so I, I was curious about those. I mean, they seem to me like, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty big, pretty good sized guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I weigh about 250 ish pounds. So, uh, those saddles to me looked like, eh, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, I think it's again, like, okay, like here's a good example of the two. So my wife tried it, um, out here, um, cause she was debating on getting a saddle since I had one. Um, cause like we sometimes hunt together and 
she got up in the tree and she's like, uh, no, no, no. Cause you have to hang, you know, hang away from the tree or whatever, or lean away from the tree. And she's like, no, I'm not doing that. So, I mean, it's not for <laughs> everyone. Like there is a comfort level. And, and I will say too, like the learning curve on it is a kind of, it can be big. Um, and I don't know. It's, I guess I would definitely say it's not for everyone. Cause like you said, I don't know. I've read some Facebook type, forum stuff and uh post and you know some of the big guys don't they don't like them or whatever they make them feel uneasy but i don't know it's whatever i guess so yeah the big thing that made me made me really look at them was like how much do you know how much how much is your setup way when you're walking in um like the saddle itself is like i think it's under two pounds um so but you i would typically wear it while i'm walking in so okay i cut that out and then I have climbing sticks and, um, I run Hawk, um, helium sticks. They're mm-hmm. the long ones, like the 30 inch ones. Um, okay. so there are like three steps on them and I run depending on how high I want to go. Like I got a couple spots where there's like open timber. I'll try to go four sticks, get a little higher. And then I know like last year I hunted one spot I hunted. Um, it's like these gnarly little junk trees or whatever that are, I, you can't get much more in three sticks high anyways because the tree's so small and gnarly and whatnot curves and stuff so if i know like an area i'll you know maybe choose how many sticks and then i got so i think those are like i think they're a couple pounds a piece i think so i think you know so you're looking at like oh what are you looking at 10 pounds in sticks probably and then my saddle the platform i put my feet on which again is it's like around two pounds so i'm thinking like my whole get up's probably under 15 pounds or whatever. So that's crazy. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to tell you how much that summit weighs because I haven't looked at it in a while to be able to tell you exactly what it weighs, but I guarantee you it's more than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love, I love my summit now that I'm comfortable with it, but we had a flood here on this, this public up here about five ish years ago, maybe. Yeah. And it killed a lot of bigger trees, like the straight, narrow type stuff. You know what I'm talking about? The trees you need to get in with a climber. Yeah. So there's a lot of places up here where it's like, like yesterday, I was scouting yesterday to find maybe one more spot to be able to hunt. And I was walking in there going, man, there's a tree I could climb, but it's dead. There's a tree I could climb, but it's dead. Mm. I'd, I'd really considered moving to um, like a lone wolf hang on. Yeah and some sticks to really see because i mean watch guys it seems like guys can get in about any kind of tree with those and i'm sure like your saddle you can probably get in leaning trees and all kinds of stuff i would imagine yeah you can um that's actually because i think i think we're going to eventually get one for my kelsey um because she she doesn't like the saddle setup but we do like we do run like a mo we try to go you know like a mobile setup sometimes because on public land here around here um, and, uh, we were looking at getting, yeah, like a lone wolf type stand. And I think they would be awesome. I d- really do. Especially if you're going to do like all day sits or you want to do an all day sit. Like, I think that's the, maybe the way to go, um, over like a saddle. Um, at least that's my opinion. I don't know. Like you said, if you bought a nicer saddle and that might be, that might be a different story too. So, yeah. Yeah. I looked, like I said, I looked into it in the, for 
the lone wolves to me just seemed like being like a bigger guy like me, they would make more sense because I've picked, like I've seen those lone wolf stands in the store and picked them up and be like, man, that weighs nothing. And I know those, those sticks, they, I mean, I've never been around them. I don't know too much about them, but they can't weigh too much. No, I can't remember. I'd looked them up at one time, but I don't remember now, but yeah, I think the big thing, like, I guess for me is the price tags of some of that stuff. I mean, oh, a stand, I a stand is one thing. Like, I got to understand that. But the sticks, like, getting good sticks is really expensive. Um, like, there's a lot of those sticks out there on the market. I mean, they're $100 for a 20-inch, you know, 20-inch section or, or more, you know, so uh, money-wise. So, it's just expensive. Do you follow Dan Infault? Yeah, I do follow little Dan stuff. So okay, so, his his sticks were the ones that I was like checking out. Yeah, but, I definitely think those would be like a definite go. I would I would like I'd pull the trigger on those. I guess is what I was saying. But yeah, I those are the only ones that I've actually like got to see because one of my friends has one. Oh, does he? He's got he he's got a climber or a, a hang on, and he bought some of those beast sticks from Infall. And I actually got to like, that's the only set of sticks that I've actually got to look. And I was like, these seem like they're built quality enough where I would trust myself going up and down. Did you actually get to put them on a tree? Um, they, he put one stick on a tree and I just took two steps up and then two steps right back down. You know what I mean? Like how, like, did it bounce at all or did it it bite and go? That's that thing gripped into the tree just i mean i've always said my summit climber if i get in the correct kind of tree it bites in it doesn't move and it did that those sticks did like my summit does okay. it gripped in and it did not move that's awesome yeah see that's think that's the thing like the hawk sticks they're good for the most part but like sometimes like if you get them on a tree that's got a little twist or or it's like it's i don't know some weird angles and stuff they can like get a little spun like they're safe i th- I still believe they're safe but they can be a little wonky and stuff like that and it can be a little hard to climb where i think like some of those sticks like the probably the b sticks they're you know higher quality so they're gonna hook in and you know not have the whatever wiggle on them or whatever so yeah I would definitely look into something like those those type of sticks, the B sticks or whatever. I just want to be able to get into places where I mean, I love my climber, but like I said, there's places where maybe that's not going to be an option, and it's either hunt on the ground, which I'm fine with, I've done before, but I would much rather be able to get in a tree, any tree, even if that means hanging a hang on stand up and. Mm-hmm. Did, have you seen Dan's uh, whatever news, Dan Enfold's news tree stand he's got out? Like, have you seen it online or anything? I have heard he made a stand, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it looks it's super awesome looking. And I, I think it's like right around six pounds, six and a half pounds or something like that. It weighs, but it's like 625 bucks for it. So it's like, <sighs> I don't like how oh, I, I could I have a hard time like. Believing it's that much better than like a lone wolf or whatever. It's like, yeah, I don't know about all that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> just interesting. Yeah. So, so your goals is shoot two deer and probably a buck in the 120, 130 inch at the minimum, I guess you'd say. Um, mm-hmm. Then, um, 
And you're planning on hunting mainly there in that one piece of public area up there? Mm-hmm. Yep. I might. I mean, you never know. I got pretty much almost the whole month of November off from Veterans Day to Thanksgiving. Okay. So um, I might get a wild hair and decide to go go down south or maybe go over to another. I was eyeballing another piece of public that's about an hour from northwest of here. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I'll make it up there or not. More than likely, I'll spend all my time deer hunting up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I guess, I guess, so you're spending most of your time there. Like, I guess maybe last kind of deer hunting, general deer hunting. So you've scouted there, and um, I don't know how I want to ask this question first. Um, like how many i guess how many spots do you have like if you could like just kind of count in your head like how many spots do you have like in your mind right now like depending on wind and pretending on you know whatever conditions they would be different but how many spots do you have like right now potentially could hunt you think ready to go right now yeah like if tomorrow the condi- like well tomorrow's not hunting season but if tomorrow was hunting season and the conditions were right for that spot potentially right for that spot like how many spot areas i guess or spots do you think you could like would could walk into or whatever i could probably go there's four four okay four for this year um one area that i hunted last year i was chasing a buck that i'd seen um i seen him at the beginning of gun season mm-hmm. and i never heard of anybody shooting a deer that sounded like him I never heard anybody talk about it, so i'm, I'm kind of hoping that's another thing where I, sometimes i wish i should have cameras <laughs> yeah i know but i was thinking i'm gonna hunt that spot because last year i saw and i haven't seen any rubs yet obviously but mm-hmm. um last year there was just bucks I mean, everywhere in the spot and i actually i i set up on it a little different this year but i have that spot i have the spot that me and my buddy hunt um and then there's two new spots this year that i've kind of walked in and i don't have a like i don't have i'm not I won't tell you I have a specific tree like this tree on this hillside, but a general vicinity. I know there's trees I can get into. Okay. Um, so like on those spots, like do you have like areas, I guess you'd be more so you, so are you thinking, Oh, you're going to try out, you know, maybe two or three, four trees in whatever, in a, in a one particular area. And you may, you might have to adjust it after yes. you see deer movement or whatever. Um, yes. One of the spots is like, right next to the water okay like right like i could throw a rock i mean it'd be a pretty far throw but i could throw a rock and end it up in the lake Mm -hmm. um and there's a right where a coat it comes in the drainage comes down into the water and it's just thick it looks like bedding like i walked down there and you could see where the deer have been bedding and the ground kind of gradually comes up it's a ravine but it's not a very steep one Mm -hmm. and on top it's all oaks Okay. So I was I was gonna set up on the edge of that bedding on a but hopefully the way the wind goes down the lake, usually the wind will push push up off the water. So if they're bedding down by the water I, I should be able to slip in there and get my wind. That's the thought, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna hunt that spot early if I that might be one of the first places I go. Interesting, yeah. Just because, I mean, I've seen trails in there. I don't know what's in there. It could be all does. It could be little spike bucks. It could be 150-inch mm-hmm. deer. You never know. Right. So we're going to go see what it has, I guess. 
Awesome. I think it's, I think we're going to lead off probably. Yeah. We're going to kind of call it a night, but I think the thing for people are listening to this and stuff, um, I'm hoping Cole, we can have Cole on here, um, throughout the deer season, him give us kind of a update report on, on your season and different things. And then also I'm hoping to maybe like dive in and we can talk some hypothetical scenarios or whatever. And, um, I don't know, give our opinion on how, how we would deer hunt different things throughout the year. So, but before we get going, Cole, I want you to give your, what you would consider your best piece of advice for hunting it can be hunting in general you can it can be specific to certain type of hunting or whatever but your what you would consider your best piece of advice and it can be as simple as i don't know take bug spray or whatever <laughs> to play the thermals i don't but go i'm just gonna leave it like open so you can give your best hunting advice you got if if i could tell myself especially like when I, a few years ago, when I switched to basically public only and I was losing that comfort zone feeling of hunting, like my family farm, you know what I mean? The, if I could tell myself one thing that I know now is don't be afraid to mess up. Mm. Don't hike in there. Like, don't go in there, go, go farther than you fit. It's like, Oh, I, cause I used to wonder, I don't know if, should I go that far in? Am I going to bump deer? I don't really know what it's like in there. I should, I wish if I could tell myself now, go in there, hike all the way in there. Cause the only way I was ever going to, the only way you're ever going to figure it out is if you go in there and you do something, either you learn, well, I shouldn't have done this now. Now I know, or you go in there and it works out. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I would say when it comes to hunting, don't be afraid to screw, screw something up because that's the only way you're ever going to learn. Hmm. That's amazing advice, Cole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I used to, I mean, there's still, there's times I catch myself now, especially if I get an unfamiliar area, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, if yep. I'm hunting somewhere and I'm like, man, I don't know. I mean, if I go over there, what's it going to be like? Is it not going to be worth going over there? Just, I should have told myself, just go, go hike in. The, if you think you're going in and you think, oh, I don't know if I should go any farther, go farther that's the only way you'll ever figure it out and then next time you go in there you'll know well i don't need to go over there because they're maybe it's better to go over here you know what i'm saying right yeah i think i think it's a learning curve and you you maybe i'll figure out oh this is a good enough sign or this is the best sign for the area i think and you, you stop and set up over it or whatever that scenario is yeah i think not being afraid to fail definitely I know I've been a victim of that mentality many times, I think. Oh, yeah. That's, I struck, I mean, I was so worried about screwing something up that you end up not, you end up really not doing anything. You end up wasting, you set up in a spot where you're pretty much wasting your time. Oh, yeah. I've been there, done that. Yep. Exactly. I think especially, I mean, we talked about the mobile stuff. I think hunting out of like whatever saddle or hang on or a climber, I think that can be, that's a hard learning curve because you don't have a spot already picked out maybe like a hundred percent. And I think it can be really hard to just like, no, okay. It's a good, t- good spot to set up or whatever. So yeah, that's a really good piece of advice. Cole. That's awesome. Yeah. So, well, I think I'm gonna, we're going to wrap it up tonight. So, um, yeah. Thank you for coming on Cole. And we'll, uh, talk to you soon. Okay, buddy. Yep. Thanks for having me on, man.